I did my first ever Pride March last year with work, but that was, you know, Drew, the straight person who was there as an ally. And that day you could not wipe the smile off my face if you possibly tried. But I thought at the time it was because I was seeing how happy the young people were and seeing so many people out all celebrating the same thing. Whereas now that I look at it, I'm like, I felt seen. I felt that that was my space. So Pride March this year, like I have not stopped smiling since. And, you know, I went as Drew the queer person, not Drew the straight person that's here as an ally. It's the best feeling. Deb Chumley. I'm a cisgendered lesbian woman living on Yorta Yorta country. I'm currently the president of Goulburn Valley Pride. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Calithaban lands of the Yorta Yorta Nation, and pay my respect to elders past and present. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work and play today, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognise the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists, continuing the creative practice, one of the oldest living cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. This episode you're about to hear is with Drew. Drew is a 26-year-old cisgender pansexual female who's only newly out as being queer. Drew was born and raised in Shepparton, and in this podcast, tells how she came out on TikTok. Drew acknowledges and leverages her privilege and tells us of her transition from being the super ally, working with queer youth, to a member of the queer community. My name is Drew and my pronouns are she, her and hers. I've never known anything other than Shepparton. So my um, family were born in smaller towns outside of Shepparton and then they all moved here. It's all of my immediate family is here. I've never known life differently than that, but I've always um, tried to do what I can within the community as well. Um, And I suppose I see the good in the Shepparton community and not the bad. I like to think of everything as half full and that there is always room for change and growth. And I try to think of, um, you know, other people's views and opinions on Shepparton and surrounding areas and think that's all they see Mm. they don't see the good because they're not immersed in community in whatever area of community so what is it that people see that on the outside I suppose um, for a while there was a lot of reports coming out about um, the sort of prevalence of violence um, in Shepparton the prevalence of drug use specifically ice as well that made it to big media as well. We had, um, I think we had SBS Insight come and do like a report. I think it was SBS, I'm not sure, but there was some big media mogul that that came and, yeah, did, did a show on what, you know, um, drug and alcohol use was like in Shepparton. Or I suppose for me, I've grown up um, in what some people would consider to be the rough end of town. I've known life no differently there so it doesn't bother me it doesn't you know I'm not afraid of living where I live or anything like that but I know that others when you know 
when I sort of talk about what area of town I live, they go, ooh, how do you how do you cope living down there? But I've always lived down that area of town and it's never been an issue. So it doesn't bother me, but I can see how it would bother other people. But again, like they only see the bad, they don't see the good. So tell me the good. Tell me what you see. Tell me if we can, like if you can, through your eyes, what are you seeing that other people perhaps aren't? I think there's so many different community groups and so much diversity in Greater Shepherd and whether that be cultural diversity or LGBTQA plus diversity. Um, so many people that have a lot of knowledge and rich histories and, you know, good hearts that want to help shape and shift the narrative from what Shepparton has been known as. You know, when I was younger, I um, did quite a lot with Word and Mouth, which was a um, youth committee in town. Um, we would put on events to give the young people and families something to do um, and give them sort of meaning and purpose as well. So I did that for quite a while. I've also worked for a couple of different community services organisations as well that are all about empowering change and, you know, shifting narratives and stigmas and all of those sorts of things. So, you know, I see from clients that I've had previously at different roles how much shame and stigma has impacted them and I see myself in them and so I want to help. I want to I want to create change. Mm. It's strong, isn't it, stigma? Yeah. And, and shame or shame. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that, you know, other facets of society make a certain group of people feel like that. Absolutely. Whether and I absolutely recognise that I hold, um, I hold privilege, you know. I'm a cisgender white female who has had opportunities to go to school and, you know, get an education and, you know, has um, advocacy skills to help grow and, you know, become a better human. And I know that not everyone has that privilege as well, so why not use my privilege to help someone else that doesn't have privilege? You've been organising the first ever Pride Bowl. Yes. Here in Shepparton. Yeah, we got, we were successful in getting the Midsummer Grant to put on um, this event as part of Victoria's Pride. And we've spent countless hours in the last couple of months putting on the first ever Pride Bowl, which will happen um, on Saturday the 11th. So that's super, super exciting. I'm ready for a good nap afterwards. <laughs> what does the Pride Bowl mean to you? Again, what is it? signify? I think I'm still very new to queerness like in my in my work life I do work with queer young people um, but I wasn't out um, so being out has only happened in the last couple of months so I think I think at the Pride Ball I'm most excited to be me and not me as the straight person that works in a queer program or the straight person who volunteers in queer spaces I think I'm just excited for me to be me and to be recognised as that and be surrounded with more community that I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet or that still know me as the straight person who volunteers and works in queer spaces. How did you get involved with 
or that work? Tell me about that work. My friends and family have always known that I am fiercely passionate and have very strong views and opinions on things and I had a lot of privilege um, by having young parents as well. So they accepted all kinds of diversity and encouraged me to do the same and um, yeah, I've always been a fierce ally, you know, at work and in community people would call me super ally because my allyship was sort of on a whole nother level. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, there was just always like a massive connection to queerness and to queer community, but I didn't know why, you know, I thought I'm just, I'm just a really good ally and I just, you know, whenever someone has asked me what an ally is, I've had a really hard time trying to explain that because I just did it and it just wasn't something that I had to think about. Like I was there, I would advocate, I would show up, it wasn't tokenistic, Um, all of those sorts of things. And so I've always had a really hard time explaining an ally and now looking back it's because I never was an ally so I had a really hard time trying to work out what that meant because that wasn't me. So how how can I explain that when I can't understand why I feel the way I did, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I think coming out just the whole, ah, and the release of the shoulders happened and everything is just sort of put into perspective now. Like there was a reason that I would feel such a strong connection to queer community And, you know, there was a reason why I was so passionate about educating others and, you know, helping change stigma and bias and get people to see the other side of the rainbow, pun intended. But, yeah, trying to shift people's views and opinions. And that's because that was me. Like, you know, by you having those views and opinions, it's an attack on me, not an attack on those that I'm advocating for. Like, I did my first ever Pride March last year with work, um, but that was, you know, Drew, the straight person who was there as an ally, and I don't know, I just, that day you could not wipe the smile off my face if you possibly tried, but I thought at the time it was because I was seeing how happy the young people were and seeing so many people out all celebrating the same thing, whereas now that I look at it, I'm like, I felt seen. I felt that that was my space. So Pride March this year, like I have not stopped smiling since. And, you know, I went as Drew the queer person, not Drew the straight person that's here as an ally. And it's such a hard thing to explain, like your first Pride Marches or, you know, your first massive Pride event as a queer person. I just, people have asked me over the last couple of days, like what that felt like. And I just, I can't explain it. It's, it's just... I don't, I don't know. It's the best feeling. How was it for you coming out, your coming out story? Yeah, privileged. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that before I came out. Um, I knew that I had some great humans around me that, um, that knew secretly that, that I was queer but just didn't want to say anything or wanted me to work it out for myself. Um, and I'm, I'm very lucky and very privileged that I haven't been met with any bias. And if I thought that I was going to, I'd cut those people off a while ago as well. And, you know, when I've slowly started telling people, they've gone, oh, honey, we knew. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's been a shock to no one. But I, um, you know, part of the work that I do is trying to support young people to explore their authentic self. And some of it is supporting young people to come out. And so... 
I did a lot of thinking about, okay, well, this is what I do with a young person, so how am I going to do this for me? And then I thought, no, that's not authentic to me. That's not going to work. So I followed, um, in true Drew form, a TikTok trend, um, and I made a carefully curated PowerPoint presentation that was comedy-based explaining what pansexuality is and what that means to me, and then I put an FAQ section in there um, that was all ridiculous. And then I put in some what I like to call evidence of my hidden queerness over the years of like photos of me doing aerobics. And, you know, I said that aerobics is a very camp sport and photo of me in a netball uniform where I was wearing a gold defense bib. And I said, you know, the GD isn't for gold defense. It's actually for gay Drew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I spoke about, you know, my hobbies and my interests and what I like and yeah, then I just sent it to those closest to me with no context at all. Like I said nothing. I just text them the video and I got back. I think at the end of my presentation I said, um, you know, if I don't hear from you, I assume that I've been disowned. So it was really nice knowing you. And that's that's just my humour. And, yeah, my, my dad texts back and said, um, next time I see you I'll embrace the gay. And then a couple of days later, I saw him and he gave me a massive hug and he whispered, I'm embracing the gay. I love you. My mum in true mum form, which is our relationship, is um, quite funny. A lot of people don't understand it. But um, she replied back and said, the GD actually stands for gigantic dickhead. And I took that as like, yeah, she's cool. Like, <laughs> she's cool with it. Um, I told my, actually, my grandparents pulled me aside. So my grandma, um, her nephew is gay in a very well-known, well-known person in media. And she pulled me aside at a family um, Christmas thing a couple of, in December and um, said, have you got a boyfriend? And I shook my head. And then she said, have you got a girlfriend? And I shook my head and she goes, are you gay? And I just nodded. And she goes, yeah, your grandfather and I were talking about it the other day. We thought you were. <laughs> and then said, you know, you know that we don't care either way. Um, and work, you know, everyone at work and you know, my friends were all the same. Like, yeah, we, we knew. It's, it's no shock to anyone. But I'm glad they all gave me the space to explore and come to them when I was ready. Does it feel that this was the time for you? Like, you know, 21 wasn't the time or 18 wasn't the time or 15 wasn't the time. This was the time? I didn't know. Okay. Like, I just, I didn't know. And the light bulb just went off in my head. It was actually my therapist that started this. <laughs> like my therapist um but they they said to me why do you like drag race so much and I said I don't know it's a great show drag race okay. I said yeah I don't, I don't know it's it's a great show I just like it and they said I'm gonna let you think about that and then that's all I could think about in my head like hmm Drew why do you like drag race so much hmm hmm and then I started you know switching um my gender preferences on dating apps just go I wonder what's on the other side of just looking at things through a heteronormative lens and then I went hmm, okay all right and I thought about it a little bit more and then I spoke to one of my friends who's also my co-worker and I said like hey so I don't think I'm straight and she went okay and um I spoke to someone else about it and said like I don't know what this means and then I I really struggled like I don't think sort of anyone other than my therapist knew the place that I was in mentally because my life had just been heteronormative, just only looking at the opposite gender and that was it. And then all of a sudden 
I was doing double takes at people on the street and I was resonating with things a little bit more and I went, oh crap, I don't know what this means. And then when I actually said the words out loud, I rung my car, I was having a really hard time and um, it was after work and I text my co-worker, who's also my friend, and I said like, hey, I really need to talk. And so she rung me and she said, what's wrong? And I started crying. And I, I don't cry often. Um, and she'd never seen me cry either or heard me cry. And then I just said it. I said, I think I'm queer. And then all of a sudden it turned into happy tears because I'd actually said it out loud. And then she started crying. And then we were both crying on the phone. Um, and so we talked it through a little bit more and, you know, she really helped. Um, I can't thank her enough for, yeah, for everything that she's done for me and continues to do for me. And then I slowly started thinking like, oh, crap, now I have to come out. <laughs> like now there's, there's this because I'm the straight person that works in queer spaces and volunteers in queer spaces. And now I have to shift and change that narrative because I don't want to be known as that. And then the word ally started to feel unsafe, I guess. It just didn't sit right with me when people would continue to say ally. And then when I'd look at my work lanyard and I'd have a badge on that said ally and when I'd get introduced to different people and say, yeah, this is Drew, she's a great ally. That word just gave me the sh like the shivers and the shudders and I just, I didn't like it. And so then I thought, crap, I've got to do it. <laughs> and so then that's when, yeah, the TikTok came about. It's on private that so no one else can see. Okay. <laughs> Not, the world. Not the world. Not the world, no. had an amazing reception and, and as you would know with the work you do I'm assuming yeah that there's so many people whose parents won't be as accepting they won't understand yeah not necessarily but more so maybe in regional towns or remote areas where there's not as much exposure or visibility yeah yeah I think it's always a shock for you know even myself or the young people that we work with or people that um, have never seen so much visibility and then they go to Melbourne or they go to Bendigo or, you know, they go to Wangaratta where there's Pride Hub now and there's more visibility than what there is here. And it's always a shock and think like, wow, this is, this is how things are supposed to be. You know, we shouldn't have to only wait until someone puts on an event or, you know, it should just be standard practice. We celebrate other kinds of diversity, so why don't we celebrate queer diversity? But yeah, I think regional areas are a lot harder, especially in Shepparton. We're surrounded by so many great things and so many great people. But, um, you know, you've got vicarious trauma and um, older generations and farming communities um, and a lot of heteronormative behaviours that happen in regional. And I don't, some of it is bias. And, you know, if we're looking at life on a riddle scale, um, it's one of my favourite things then I would say that, yeah, some people are sort of more in the red zone of being disgusted and things like that. But a lot of people just don't have the education. And because they've never met a trans person, a gender diverse person, they've never met a queer person, they just get that initial shock of like, oh, I don't know what to do here. I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly how many people I would think are more in that uneducated space and willing to learn. But from the work I do... I would say that it would be more than 
those who just are never going to get it and do not accept any kind of queer diversity. What needs to happen for it to to flourish? Yeah. One thing I always say to anyone, regardless of if it's in my work life or my personal life, is when you've had time to think about your identity, whether that be sexuality or gender identity, you've had a lot of time to process that and think of what that means for you. And when you share that with other people, they need to go on their own journey of what that means for them. And for some people, it might be grief that they need to go through, but we need to give people that space. Because if you've never been exposed to, or not exposed, if you've never met another queer person or trans or gender diverse person, then you're not going to get it because it's not your experience. So, We need to allow people, you know, I think we need to allow people that space. Um, There are so many great things out there, so many different resources and workshops and all kinds of things to help educate and build people's knowledge on LGBTQIA+. But we need more access to that because a lot of those things happen metro and not regionally. I don't know how we get more opportunities for people to learn and grow in regional areas because it takes humans and it takes money and a lot of effort that people have the effort but you know there's a lot of work that needs to go into that to make it happen so I don't know. Are you proud of Shepparton and where you live? I do yeah yeah I do see why some queer people might move away Um, you know especially now that I'm coming into my queerness I'm going hmm dating sounds like it would be a fun idea and it's really hard (laughs) here um, in regional but I also think that some of my queer friends that moved away, you know, straight after high school, Shepparton's completely different now and there's more visibility now than what there was nine years ago. Not enough. I would like to think that there would be more, but it's getting better. And even, you know, queer friends that I've spoken to have said like, oh, I didn't even know that that was happening in Shepparton anymore. And yeah, I don't know. I, I love living here. I really do. I've never thought about being anywhere else, but I could see why I would think to leave. And it's not because I don't like Shepherd and I just think there's more opportunities for queer people in Metro. And that shouldn't be the case. We should have the same opportunities everywhere. It sounds like you were happy in your life before you came out, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> but coming out has, like you said... I don't know. I, I can be me. Like, I've always been me. But I think just queer Drew is a whole different ballpark of who I am even you know things like my like what I wear has become brighter and I'm not thinking of you know thinking about like uh, I have to like fit into stereotypes and I have to wear all the cool things and you know I'm more expressive with my um you know my clothing and my jewelry and all of those sorts of things and I've honestly in the best place mentally that I've ever been and I just think it's because this weight has been lifted off my shoulder, something that I didn't even know was holding me down. And now I can just be queer Drew, which is great, or baby queer as I'm now getting called because <laughs> I still have a lot to learn. When you were talking then, I just had this image of, you know, those like little kaleidoscope things? Yeah. And I was thinking about like, yes, you were happy before, but now it's like you just see this spectrum of endless infinite colours of what you can be yeah. and how you can express yourself. That, yeah. That's what I'm getting from the audience. Yeah, I get, no, that's a really good way yeah. to put it. Um, you know, I, I talk about having a pride tank 
And sometimes my pride tank is full and over, you know, it's, it's bursting out. Like it just can't hold anymore. And that's how I feel now. Like prior to coming out, the pride tank was full, but now it's just spilling out. There's just so much that's happening for me. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a really hard thing to explain, I guess. Any final words or? I think we all need to have empathy for each other from you know, what I've seen, there's still a lot of disagreements between different sections of our community. And I think we can all come together for the same purpose. We all have different lived experience. We have, you know, different work roles and community roles and all different things that can all work for the same purpose, which is celebrating diversity and inclusion. And I think we need to do that more. There shouldn't be these disagreements and argues between different intersections of queerness that you know we all have the same purpose is we want to be seen and we want to be recognized and so we should use that more shouldn't be a competition on who's more important or you know who has it worse or anything like that because it's hard in different ways for everyone beautiful thank you thank you This podcast is released every Tuesday and Friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners, Midsummer and the Fair of Victoria portfolio of the Victorian State Government. Throughout the series, you will hear firsthand the successes, hopes, dreams, fears and struggles of diverse members of our community. Pride Finder, the Rainbow Road Trip was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA plus Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest and reflect the language, thoughts, history and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes. 